This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Aftershocks. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com to save 15% on all wireless headphones. Welcome to the Allie on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and every week I talk with inspiring people who lead interesting lives on the run and beyond. And while running is the thing that brings us all together, on these episodes, we cover more than what happens on the run. We learn the whys behind the runs, the decisions people have made to get where they are today, and how getting sweaty has factored in. And today's guest knows all about getting sweaty because that's her job to get sweaty and to help all of us get sweaty too. My guest today is Jess Sims, and if you are a Peloton user, the bike, the treadmill, the app, whatever, you probably know and love Jess. She's a Peloton instructor and she is the most fun. What I love about Jess and why I wanted to have her on the show today is that she's just a cool, kind, motivating woman. No silly frills, no BS, no gimmicks. Jess is just the real deal, and I very quickly learned in this conversation why exactly that is. Before coming to Peloton, before entering the fitness industry at all, Jess was a teacher. She did Teach for America. She taught in Houston, in Harlem, in the Boston area where she grew up. And if you know me, you know that I think teachers are the greatest people on the planet. Jess is such a hard worker, and I just love her energy. You'll hear a bit more about this when we start the conversation, but I always used to see Jess around. When I lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, I'd see her at SoulCycle, at Fitting Room, and she just seemed cool. She exuded this confidence. Several years later, here we are. I'm getting to talk to this really cool, confident woman, learning all the secrets to her success, and uh, turns out it's no secret. It's hard work, it's self-awareness, and it's a dive-right-in mentality. So let's go hear about the rest of it. Jess, I am so excited for this because I feel like I know you, and I'm sure everyone says that to you all the time, but you know, I, I take your classes all the time. I'm so grateful you. for you. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. Just like your classes, we start the Alley on the Run show with a warm-up. This is, you know, like you would Ooh. say, this is how we get our glazed donut look yes. on our faces. <laughs> so yes. I need, tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Perfect. So my name is Jess Sims. I am originally from a suburb just north of Boston, uh, Peabody, Massachusetts, not Peabody. Uh, people get very testy about that. So make sure you say Peabody. Um, and I'm currently a Peloton instructor. You know, and it's funny to go back to the glazed donut thing, which you can explain why you say that. But now, like I do the outdoor runs a lot, right? And yes. it's like 90 degrees now. And so I'm I'm glazed before I'm leaving the house. So when I'm four minutes in and you're like, you should be starting to get that look. I'm like, yo, I've had it for the past like four weeks straight. Uh, but tell us, what, where'd that come from? What's well, the glazed donut look? It's so funny that you say that when I teach the, um, the outdoor classes, that's exactly it. It's so funny how some people could be in Miami running on the beach and then other people in Alaska, you know, taking classes outside. So it's really funny. I say, so now when I teach, I say something like, if it's hot out where you are, you get to advance your glazed donut look. You're going to get faster than everyone else's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, first of all, everything is about food to me. I'm all about, you know, living a healthy, well-balanced lifestyle. Um, and so, yeah, when I started teaching classes, I said it one time, Allie. Like, I think I said, oh, wow, like, look at the sweat on my arms already. I look like a glazed donut. 
And no lie, I got some more DMs about that and more tags like, look at me, I got the glazed donut look or way past the, the glazed donut look. And it's so funny to hear all the different things, like the spinoffs off of it. So like now when I cool down, I say you should be an old fashioned donut. By the end of a cool down, you should be dry. Um, so it's really fun. I'm not. I'm never dry, just so you know. I hear you. I never reach that state. <laughs> so... You're talking about how you get like all these DMs and obviously for Peloton instructors, maybe more than any other fitness brand, we see these instructors as celebrities in our own little worlds, yeah. right? Do you think that young Jess Sims could have pictured this life being a global superstar instructor in the fitness industry? Not, e not even young Jess Sims, not even three years ago, five years ago, Jess Sims could ever imagine this. No, not my wildest dreams. I love that. And it's fun to think about your progression, which I know we'll get into. And I think I mentioned this to you at one point, but I remember back like maybe six or seven years ago, I was obsessed with taking Tramel's classes oh at SoulCycle. Yes. And I was like that girl that was like, okay, it's a spin class. I should get there at least half an hour early to put my shoes on. And then I was like, just always way too early. And you would come in like right as class was starting. You were always in the front row. And I was like, who is this chick? Like, the instructor was always excited to see you. And I was like, she's someone and she's going to be oh someone. Gosh. And then like within like a week, you were teaching at like fitting room and now you're at Peloton. So it's really cool to watch because you have this really genuine energy about you. You weren't like the mean girl walking in. Oh, were, gosh, I was like, she's no. cool. Oh, that like is, she's awesome. That makes me so happy. Um, yeah, I know we'll get into, you know, my background and what brought me here. But that's it's always working out has always been. A, a team thing to me. I've never played any individual sports because movement is for people to do it with other people. I strongly believe that. And so, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I thank you for sharing that with me. All right. Well, let's talk about growing up. You've shared quite a bit recently. You grew up with an Italian mom, a black dad. I want to know what your childhood looked like and what those family values were all about. Because I can picture this family of athletes and probably really good home cooking. I want to know what, <laughs> what childhood looked like for young Jess Sims. Oh my gosh. So I was a busybody. It's really funny. I have an older brother and a younger sister. Uh, my brother is just about two years older and my sister is six years younger. And I was the the wild one in the family. I was the busybody. I was involved in every sport. I did dance. I did figure skating. I did softball. I did tennis. Um, and then I got really, really serious with uh, soccer, basketball, and lacrosse. So I played those three sports in high school. Um, and I played on multiple teams. Like I remember my weekends would be one basketball game over to the other to the next practice. And then, you know, from season to season, from soccer to basketball, to lacrosse, no time off. And I lived for it. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, one of my favorite things about playing sports growing up was the, I don't know what, if you've heard of this before, but you call it a pasta party or a pasta feast before big games. Oh yeah, of course. Yes. So my mom, I mean, my mom's fully Italian, so she would make raviolis and chicken oh. parm and garlic bread and, oh, I like miss those days so much. Um, but I would live for those. And then my father played college basketball himself. So I definitely got the athlete from my dad. Um, we've always bonded over sports, specifically basketball. Um, he still holds records at Peabody High School where we both went. Um, and so, yeah, we, we had a little mini basketball court in our backyard that we ended up building. And I would just shoot around. And I really fostered such a huge love of the sport. And that's why I decided to pursue it in college. So how do you go from high school and college athlete 
to teacher to fitness instructor. Let's talk Girl. about the teaching part of it. <laughs> well, so it, it's so funny. Um, it, things don't really make sense as they're happening. But when you look back, you're like, wow, damn, I guess that is why I did this and I did this. It makes sense now. Um, and so I, I just remember uh, basketball was the thing that kind of had me travel across the world or across the country, at least um, at, from a young age. And so I played um, AAU basketball, amateur athletic union. And so we traveled all the time and our, our teams were not just from one city. We, a bunch of surrounding cities kind of joined together to make one, you know, super strong team. And that's when I started to have a lot more or see a lot more diversity. I was one of maybe five black people in my entire high school, um, very predominantly um, a white high school. And I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me, whether it was biracial or black. And so when I started to really get serious about basketball, I was exposed to a lot more diversity, which I'm forever grateful for. And so when I went to college, I ended up, um, I had a passion for languages. I double majored in psychology and Hispanic studies, which is basically just learning history, but talking about it in Spanish. Um, and so there I will never forget. I walked into the bathroom and you know how there's all those bulletin boards um, in colleges with like flyers. I saw a flyer that said teach for America. And I was like, oh, interesting. And so I went back to my dorm room and I did a little research and I was like, oh, I'm doing that. And it, I don't know if you asked me back then why I just don't I don't know. There was a, a small part of me that wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't major in it and I didn't even minor in it. And I still have felt this like calling this sense of just you have no other choice. Like there's no, you know, option B, option C, like this was it. And so I applied, I went through a very rigorous um, interview process and I got the job and <laughs> it was funny. I'll never forget. I got the email that said, Jess, congratulations. You're accepted into the class of 2010 Houston core. And so I called my mom and I told my mom, she was like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. You got it. Congratulations. Like, at least you can say now you got it. You didn't get the location you wanted. So bummer, but like, at least you can say you got it. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, mom, I'm going. She's like, what? We don't know anyone in Texas. You've never been to Texas. Like, what do you, what do you mean you're going to do it? You have to move down there a week after you graduate. Like, no way. And I was like, no, 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 I'm doing this. And so I went down to Houston. Um, I taught fifth grade math uh, to 75 students and then third grade everything. Um, so I taught, you know, math, science, social studies, reading, everything. And for during the summers uh, before and after, I worked for Teach for America because I just fell in love with the program, the mission. Um, I love how it is a lifelong commitment to education that starts with two years in the classroom. I think that Teach for America can sometimes get a bad rep that, oh, you only do two years of teaching and then you leave. That's actually just not the case. Um, it's a lifelong commitment because after you are shown the inequities and the uh, major opportunity gap of low income students with um, higher income students and, and your zip code and how that plays a role in the, the quality of education that you get, you could never turn a blind eye. So some people, you know, stay for just two years and then they go into law, they go into healthcare and what do they do? They end up, you know, going back and, and giving back and again, not turning a blind eye. So I ended up doing two years down there, and then I was recruited to open up a an elementary school as a kindergarten teacher in Harlem. So I did two years in Houston, one year um, in Harlem as a kindergarten teacher. And within that network, there was uh, two middle schools, and I was uh, promoted to an operations director at a middle school. So I did that for two years. 
I moved back to Boston, um, right to Peabody, and I was an assistant principal of a KIPP school, which stands for the Knowledge is Power program. Um, and the same exact setup, just like I started the school as a kindergarten teacher in Harlem, I had the exact same setup where we started a school with just kindergarten as an assistant principal. And it was around that time, um, I moved back to Boston, you know, I, I, and all my family and friends were pretty much there. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. And I moved back there and I realized how unhappy I was there. Um, geographically, I knew within the first two months that I didn't want to be there long term, uh, which was kind of a, a bummer for me because I thought, you know, I would get settled back home. I would get a house and, you know, this and that. Because uh, at that point, I was just I moved back in with my parents because why not? I wanted to save some money, you know, and I haven't I hadn't spent significant amounts of time home for a long time. So oh, I, I was an assistant principal there um, from July to December. And in December, I quit my job. And um, from July to December is when I started to really uh, hone in on what was making me happy and not happy. And for the first time ever, I loved my, my role. I had, you know, the work-life balance that all the teachers and administrators always wanted, you know, leaving with the kids, not having to spend, you know, every night till 8 p.m. at the school. Um, we weren't having major behavior problems. All the kids were reading. It, it was so incredible, my time at that school, but I was still unhappy. And that's how I knew, okay, Jess, you taught fifth, third, kindergarten, operations director, assistant principal, this isn't for you. And I also, when I was in Houston, I got my master's degree. So I got my master's in education and I had this, you know, moment where I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I have to be a teacher. This is my calling. I love to teach. I love the act of teaching. And my boyfriend at the time said to me, oh my gosh. Jess, like you, you can still be a teacher. You're just in the wrong setting. And I had this mind blown moment where I was like, wow, you're absolutely right. I can teach fitness. I can go back to the movement that I've had my entire life that kept me sane, that kept me motivated, that kept me disciplined, that I've kind of fallen away from because of the hustle and bustle of, you know, having a new career and graduating college and all that stuff. So oh, I moved back to New York in, at the end of December. And when I just when I thought I was going to pursue fitness full time, my old school in Harlem fired their principal and begged me to come back. <laughs> so I know, I know. So in January, I came back as the principal of the middle school. And I did that from January to June. And I let them know from the very beginning, like, listen, I love the kids. I love the school. I love the family. So I'm going to come back. But this is not a long term thing. Um, so I, I stayed there for those six months and, you know, my, all of my free time, I studied to get my NASM, uh, personal trainer certification. And I, um, started a fitness Instagram because I was told that that was something that, you know, you have to do in order to get your name out there. And I started taking a ton of boutique, uh, fitness classes throughout the city to see one, what makes a good instructor, a good instructor, and two, what studios I vibed with really well. Um, because as you know, New York city is very full of tons of boutique studios and I wanted to make sure it was a good fit both ways. So that is my college to fitness, uh, seven year stint, I guess you could say. Okay. So I could very easily come at you with like <laughs> 200 follow-ups right now, but I keep coming uh, back to one, which is, do you sleep? I know. Well, I mean, you're doing yes a no. lot. 
I know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, no, I, so when I was a teacher, I worked seven days a week as a teacher. You, especially when we had weekend school and we had summer school and you know, when you go home, you have uh, parent phone calls, you have grading, you have lesson planning. So I've always operated with a really high threshold for stimuli. I'm very, I, I, I thrive under pressure. Um, I need the pressure in order to, you know, keep myself going and, um, yeah. And when I got into fitness for two straight years, I worked seven days a week. I worked every night except for Saturday and Sunday night and every morning except for Friday mornings. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I hope you're getting a little more rest now. Um, <laughs> yes, for sure. Different kind of demanding. But yeah, I mean, like you said, like you had that aha moment, you are still very much a teacher and an yes. educator. So let's talk about breaking into the fitness industry, especially to do that in New York City. That's not easy, even with all the boutique studios that are out there, even all of the big box gyms that exist within the city. It's not easy to break in. So I want to know how you did it. Yeah, no, and I think this, I'm so happy I'm doing this because one of the main questions that I get messages about is, please tell us what you did to change your career because whether someone wants to do the exact same switch as me, which there are a lot of people um, that want that, but other people just, you know, are interested in switching careers and want to know how. Um, so what did I do specifically? Um, I figured out what workouts I really loved. Um, and I really got into boxing actually, when I went back home to Boston, one of my old, um, best friends from high school, when I played AAU basketball, she, um, had two young daughters at the time and she, her like home away from home was the boxing gym. So I went and I did a ton of boxing there. And so when I came back to the city, I was like, okay, that is what I definitely want to do. And, you know, I went to a different, a bunch of different boxing gyms, um, really networking with other instructors and ask and building relationships with them and asking great questions is also really helpful. Um, and I'm very, very, I'm a sponge. So when I walk into a room, I'm constantly observing and, and seeing things. And because I taught fifth grade, third grade and kindergarten, I joke with my old roommate. Um, she did the opposite. So I went down the ladder of independence from fifth to third to kinder. She did the opposite. She went from pre-K three, pre-K four to kindergarten. So she, when we started teaching kindergarten together, she was like, wow, the kids are so independent. They can do everything on their own. And I'm like, what do you mean? This is like herding cats. Like trying, you tell them to make a line and they have no, you, you think that they have no idea what you're talking about. And so it was, that was really tough, but it, I loved my experience as a teacher because we, when I was studying, when I did Teach for America, we were in a teacher, um, like a summer workshop basically for over six weeks. And you really got to understand what explicit directions are. So instead of saying, all right, y'all, we're going to, you know, write your name at the top of the paper. No, we say, use your right hand or your left hand, pick up your pen, put it between your thumb and your pointer finger, put your elbow, you know, like it's very step by step by step. And so I think that's really important when you're teaching fitness, you're working with someone's body. That's their temple. That's their, you only get one body. So you have to be very, very careful with it. And I, that's why I feel so strongly about, great form and technique in classes. Like I think that that's one of my main things. And the other main thing is I love to make things fun and accessible. Um, when I was first hired at the school in Houston, I'll never forget the principals asked me, he said, um, how do you feel about math? And I was like, oh Lord, I hate math. I actually, that was the worst, that was my worst subject. I crushed science, social studies, English, all the languages, but hated math. And he goes, perfect. You're hired. You're going to teach fifth grade math. And I was oh like, wait, wait, wait. I literally, I, I had the like heart palpitations. I was like, wait, what do you mean? He was like, oh yeah, because 
you don't like math, that means you're going to get really creative and teach kids how to do it so that they really understand it. And I told my parents and both of them are like, oh no, Jess, oh look, fifth grade, maybe a younger math, but fifth grade, like that's gonna be a struggle. And I was like, I know, but what happened? Exactly what the principal said. I came up with really fun ways to, to teach it and for the kids to learn it and access the material. And I ended up loving math more than anything else. Oh, that's kind of beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So it's, that's kind of, those are like my pillars of, of my, my feelings about education. All right. So how does someone, and, and I'm asking this question because I want to know, but I also know that there are literally thousands of people out there who want to know, how does someone get hired as a Peloton instructor? Oh my goodness. Um, so Self-awareness is very key. I'm going to say that from the jump. Um, so Rebecca Kennedy is our master instructor at Peloton, and um, she does a lot of recruiting. And I'll never forget a year into me being in fitness. So I was at the boxing gym for a year, um, and I was I was not even at the other um, high-intensity interval training studio that I worked at for a year. And uh, Rebecca used to take my boxing classes, and she asked me to meet up for coffee. So I met up, and, and we talked about Peloton. And she told me all these amazing things. And I just sat there, I took notes and I, I was thinking, this is so incredible and I'm not ready for it. That is literally exactly what was going through my mind. Um, so then with follow-up emails, I, I thanked her uh, for her time and I said, thank you so much, but this is not the right time for me. And I did that because for a, a multitude of reasons. One, I was only in fitness for a year and I didn't feel confident um, in I wasn't even working out religiously myself because when you're a trainer, you're very selfless. Like you put other people's workouts before yours. So I would teach up to seven classes in a day and you put all my heart and my energy into those classes. I didn't have time to work out myself. And I wanted to figure that out before I took on a different role. So that was the first reason. And the second reason, which is perfect for your podcast, the thought of running on camera <laughs> was the biggest nightmare and I could not imagine running on camera. So for those reasons, I said, thank you, but not right now. And so in that second year of being in fitness, I got more certifications. I got so much more confident in my teaching style, in my playlisting, because that's a whole art in and of itself. I was running more. Um, I, I'll tell you more about running later, but I, a year later, so two years into fitness, I, I was reflecting on my time and I'm like, okay, I, f I love where I've been the past two years, but I think I'm ready for something else. And I was friends with Olivia and Selena, um, who are both also tread instructors at Peloton uh, because we worked together at that boxing studio. And I reached back out to Rebecca and I said, can we meet up for coffee? This was a full year later. And so this was in July of what's we're in 2020. So this is July, 2018. And I said, and I met up with her and one of the first questions she said, she asked me was, why now? And I told her exactly what I just said to you. I feel like I have gotten as much as I can out of what I'm currently doing. I'm ready for a new challenge. And this is where I've drawn so many parallels between teaching in a, a classroom setting uh, and education to teaching and being an education for fitness. But this one thing was this. I was ready the same way I, I was so nervous and sad to leave the classroom to become an administrator. But I was like, wait a minute, it's all about impact for you. And 
you would have 25 students in your class. But if you're an administrator, you could have 25 teachers who have 25 students each. So your impact is getting bigger and bigger. At Peloton, it is the most beautiful platform where, yes, we might only have, you know, 20 treads in the studio, but we're reaching thousands, potentially millions of people with that same class. So it was that parallel of, wow, I'm taking a step out to broaden my impact and make a, a change in people's lives. So I had the audition um, after that, and the rest is history. Okay, so which is the most stressful scenario? Is it hurting a bunch of kindergartners to try to get them to form a line? Or is it running live on a treadmill with thousands of people watching? I mean, now running on a treadmill is second nature. So I would still say hurting the the cats, hurting the cats for sure. But while we're talking about stress or nerves, do you ever get nervous? Maybe less so now, but when you were starting out, were you nervous teaching the live classes? Oh, hell yeah. I still get nervous before. Oh, there's always the butterflies. It's, it's really funny. I wear a, um, a heart monitor uh, just all the time, and it automatically picks up when your heart rate goes up. And so it, it, it's so funny. After class, it will you know show me my data. And without fail, it's right when the producers come into the green room to come and pick me up to go to the studio. That's when my heart rate spikes and starts the workout, which is really funny. So yes, lots of nerves still. All right, let's talk about that green room because we don't see, there's so much we don't see. Anyone who takes a Peloton class in any form, we see the very pretty current or finished product. We don't see the green room. Tell us about the green room. Oh, well, I mean, on my Instagram you do. Yeah, no, oh my, well, first of all, there's always lots of snacks. Um, And it's so exciting because um, I'm not sure if you know, but all the the Tread and Yoga Studio was together um, on Christopher and Greenwich. And the cycling studio was on 23rd Street. Now we're um, on 10th Avenue and we're all together in one studio. So the green room is filled with instructors now, which is so cool because now we get to see the cycling instructors just as much as our fellow tread and yoga. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I put the green room on Instagram all the time just because one, it's beautiful, especially this new one. And two, it's behind the scenes with the instructors. And that's some of my, that's one of my favorite things about this job is the, is spending time with my, with my co-instructors. Yeah, I love that too. I love seeing anytime the instructors get to be together, whether it's like co-teaching one of the dance classes yes. or just like, you know, you guys just did the Black History Month campaign, which I loved so much and all those photos, which were amazing. So yeah, Thank I you. love seeing stuff when you collaborate. So let's talk about the different classes. Which ones, I'm going to make you play favorites. Which Ooh. classes do you most get excited to teach or most prefer teaching? Is it the runs, the rides? the strength, the cardio, what gets you the most excited? So I'm going to give you one of each just because all right? <laughs> Fair. my favorite, I love my Saturday 60. My Saturday 60 is a 60 minute boot camp, and it's 10 minute uh, segments, six of them. So you go tread floor, tread floor, tread floor. Um, and the theme changes every week. So it might be music based. My favorites are 90s um, or hip hop or pop. And then, um, and it can also be body part focused. Uh, it could be full body, which is advanced, body weight, which is advanced, or arms and shoulders and so forth. So that is my favorite, favorite class to teach, I would say, because it's, it's like a family day. There's something about teaching on the weekend. And then I talk, obviously, about going to brunch after because no weekend is complete without brunch. Um, so that's my favorite class to teach um, for boot camp. Then my second favorite class is a 30-minute full body strength. I love running, but I, I, my, my heart and soul is lifting. There's something I just feel so powerful when I'm lifting. Um, so I love, 
I love when my, one of my favorite things to hear from a member is that they've never taken a strength class before. They've never lifted weights before. And now not only are they taking strength classes, but they feel stronger mentally and physically than they've ever been. That is the ultimate compliment that I could ever receive. Um, so that is my favorite strength class. And then a 20 minute 90s fun run would have to be my favorite run. Yeah, have to be. I'm on board with that. I love a good fun run. Yeah. Okay. So right now, what does your, I mean, I know right now, it's like weird to say right now, because for a while we were talking about like life as normal in pre-COVID times, but we're not going back to yes. normal times. We're in these times. No. So currently, how many classes a week are you teaching? So um, it's it's different. So we just kind of wrapped up uh, a phase of live from home classes. Yep. And so for that, um, I was teaching twice a week live from home and then once a week in the studio for my Saturday 60. Um, and so I just last week taught my last live from home. So I will continue teaching three days, but all three days will be in the studio. Are you eager to get back to those studio classes? Well, it's so bittersweet. I, I mean, it's so interesting. I feel like I'm such a chameleon. I, I've, I adapt to my surroundings and I try to make the best of every situation um, in every scenario. Um, even when I get asked, what, where do I prefer living? You know, Boston, Houston, where I went to school in Connecticut or New York. Like I love all different things for different reasons. And so my number one reason for loving at home is having my dog, Sienna, <laughs> run on camera. She is a human being disguised as a dog, um, a pit bull boxer mix. And she just brightens up everyone's days because the for the first, I'll never forget um, my first live from home class, she came on perfect timing right as I, came, I started doing the stretch. She came right on camera as if she was like, you know, signing off. Thank you everyone for coming into my home. <laughs> and then I played my, uh, one of my favorite songs is I Look Good. And I swear I cannot make this up. As soon as that song came on, Sienna just came right <laughs> off the couch and right on camera. So I feel like I've, I've, I love the at home. And also there's, there's this beauty of, it's funny that you mentioned the word celebrity earlier on in our conversation. I've always hated that word just because I'm like, I'm not a celebrity. Like it's not, but I understand now that one, we're on a, I'm on a screen. And two, I'm in people's homes. So we all love, you know, celebrities like Oprah and Beyonce and all of that. And, and we, we love them, but we are talking directly to you from home. And so, and we're in your home, we're in your living room, your kitchen, your basement. And so there's this level of intimacy that was, is reciprocated with the live from home classes because I now invite you into my home. So that's that kind of the word intimacy is a lot more um, since doing the life from home. All right. So when you got that notice or when you had that meeting, like Peloton staff meeting, hey, everyone, we're leaving the studio for a bit. You're going to be teaching from home. What went through your mind? Were you like, I got to get a cool backdrop? I got to buy some posters? Like, listen, if I had to do this from home, <laughs> like I can't even find a decent background for a Zoom call, let alone teaching a full body oh. workout. So let's talk about what went through your head. Did you have to get a good setup? Were you good to go? What is what is life at well, home so, with Jess like? It's so funny. So I live in a studio. And so it's, I mean, I had to reconfigure where my couch was, you know, because of lighting and things like that. But the only there are two things that I did other than clean my apartment because, girl, my apartment's always a mess. So like I had to 
keep that side of the room clean at least. I like to compare the room um, where, you know, you see a swan and above the water, it's like beautiful and very peaceful and serene. That's my camera side of the room. The other side of the room is the under the water. It's the pedal, it's the legs going a million miles a minute. It's the wires. It's the couch pushed up against the wall in a weird place. It's that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the two things that I did were I Roy G. Bived my bookshelf, which was Love very that. popular. Mm-hmm. People, I've gotten more questions. It's kind of like the mystery bookshelf. I guess I'm, the secret is out now. But a lot of people thought that I just stacked my books. So people were like, what if you wanted a book from the bottom? It's going to fall over. But hint, hint, the cat is out of the bag. It is a bookshelf. Um, and then the other thing, which was kind of, I, we've all made such a joke about it, is I had to get plants. Every single instructor, you know, if you go on Instagram, everyone's doing live from home workouts. Everyone has plants. So I was like, yo, someone's got to get your girl some plants because there's nothing green in my apartment. So I got three plants and it's been, I want to tell you that it's been a good experience, but I also don't want to lie. I need to get rid of these plants ASAP because they have, they brought bugs. Oh no. Yeah. So I, in one of my classes, Allie, I'm like doing, I don't even know, some sort of plank something, probably some rendition of a push up, And I look up and I see a millipede walking by oh. the mirror. Oh God. And I'm like, y'all, I want to continue coaching you on this movement, but I need to let you know that there's a millipede and I'm remaining calm and I'm not going to kill it on camera, but you need to know that that's in this room. Wait, I need to know exactly what class that was so I can go back and take it. <laughs> well, I want to see that moment. Twice. It happened twice. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the first time it happened, it was during the stretch. So thankfully the class was over and I could remove the bug right after. And then the second time it happened was I I was not as thrown off because I had seen it before. Okay. I just want to say that when you say things like, oh, it was during the stretch, the class is over. Your stretch is so hard. (laughs) It is so hard. The first. Okay. So I got the app. And the first thing I ever did is I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a stretch today. Like my body needs it. I'm going to do a stretch. And I was like, Jess Sims, like 100%. It was like a five-minute stretch. And you're like, all right, grab your back leg. Now push into it for 10 seconds. Power. And you said on camera, you were like, I know you were thinking this is going to be a nice, gentle stretch. And I was like, this woman is evil. And like, keep doing it up because I love it so much. But it's funny to hear you say that the stretch means class is over because I would argue that it's the hardest five minutes of my life. Well, I will say the end at the end of a class, if you take a class, the stretch is the easiest part. But, you, but no, I, I totally listen. I, I This is what I say. Your stretches should not be comfortable. They should be not painful, but uncomfortable. Fair. Well, I love you for it. I love it. <laughs> so what about your own workouts? How do you what are you doing for your own workouts? Yeah. So, uh, well, I guess pre-COVID slash, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I've kept it relatively consistent, you know, as, as consistent as things can be at this point in time. Um, I, my workouts that I do are complementary to my classes that I teach um, because obviously I'm doing the workout 100% with you. And so I'm working out as well. So when I, what do I mean by complementary? I just mean I do a lot of single leg stuff because unilateral work is very, very important for injury prevention. Um, So I do a lot of injury prevention things, Um, single leg deadlifts, single leg squats, lunges, things like that. But yeah, I I don't do a ton of workouts on my own outside of classes. Depending on the the workload, you know, I don't, especially after a Saturday 60, girl, I'm toast. I'm done. I'm not, there's no workout for Jess after that. That was my workout. But yeah. Break time. This is where we chat for a minute about our sponsor, Aftershocks. 
I've been doing this thing for the past few weeks where instead of rambling on about why I love Aftershocks wireless headphones, because you know all that already, I tell you why members of the Alley on the Run show community love their Aftershocks headphones. And it's surprisingly easy because I get messages like this all the time. Well, first I get messages from people asking, what's your code for Aftershocks again? To which I say, no code, it's a landing page. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com. That's gonna give you 15% off. There's a little unique code on every page that you'll use when you check out. But to start, you're just gonna wanna go to ontherun.aftershocks.com. So the second message I get is from people telling me how much they love their Aftershocks. For example, just a few days ago, Jen M sent me a DM telling me she was so sick of losing or misplacing her expensive AirPods, she finally decided to, quote, listen to Allie on the run, yes, that's in quotes, and get herself a pair of Aftershocks Aeropex headphones. The verdict, here's what she wrote. Allie, you were right, which, tangent, can I get that tattooed on my body somewhere or like on my husband's face? Then every time I look at him, I just see, Allie, you were right. Anyway, Jen went on saying, they're so much better on the run, so much more comfortable and so nice not to worry about something falling out of my ears the entire time. And I run alone and never really thought about it, but you're right, again, it really is so much better being able to hear stuff around me when I'm running. Thanks, Allie. Jen, you're welcome. Take it from me, take it from Jen. Aftershocks headphones are the best in the biz. Do people still say that? Best in the biz? Did people ever say that? I just did. I like it. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com. You will get 15% off all wireless headphones. That's ontherun.aftershocks.com for 15% off. Now let's get back to my new friend, Jess Sims. So beyond working out, what do you do when your body is your job and you have to perform at such a, you know, you have to be on all the time? What are you doing to take care of yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. So luckily, um, Peloton is absolutely incredible. They treat us like professional athletes. Um, and so we have to do self-care uh, every week. They pay for uh, physical therapy, um, for massages, for acupuncture, anything that keeps our bodies healthy. Uh, Peloton is very, very invested in their instructors. So I feel very lucky that that they recognize how important that is to keep us healthy. Oh, that's so nice. So tell me about these outdoor runs. Every time I do them, and I love the outdoor runs, they're my favorite thing. I don't care if it's intervals, fun run, whatever. I love feeling like I'm running with a friend who's also like making me do a better job. You always say, all the instructors say that you're doing it with us, but we know you can't be Mm. like, how does that work? You can't be running loops of Central Park with like a film crew mic'd up. So are you running? Like, how does that work? Well, it's so, do I, um, do I tell you or do I keep this a secret? This is one of the questions that I was like, I don't know if she'll be able to answer. I know. I don't even know if I'm able to answer. Well, I mean, I, I don't even know if I'm able to answer, but yes, I think I am. Um, I'm running on, on a tread. Okay. That's what I figured. Yeah. I was more like, are they on treadmills or are they, is she like running up and down from ninth Avenue over to 10th and back again with like. Imagine you know? not with, not with the sounds of the city. No. That's for sure. I know it's yeah, so clear. No. <laughs> it's very clear. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely doing the entire workout with you, but yeah, we're indoors. Okay. So most days when you're teaching and working out and, and go, 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 do you mostly feel energized or exhausted? 
That's a great question. Um, I would say, I, I would definitely say energized. Um, there's nothing better than teaching a class. And then, you know, if it's a live class where there are people in, of course, I talk to, I love talking to people after classes. So I get, you know, immediate feedback and um, the things that people say are so funny. But then also going back and checking my phone and again, being tagged in these workouts that, I mean, I might just get up and, you know, do this workout because this is my job and, you know, this is what I need to do. But you never realize how much your workouts mean to people. The stories that people share about going through chemo or, you know, a loved one is going through a health crisis and this is their 20 minutes to get strong and to fill up their cup. And so when they share these stories, it's like, wow, it's impossible to not feel energized after. So yes, my body might be tired, but I'm constantly, the thing that gets me up in the morning um, and, you know, gets me on the tread at night if I'm teaching a night class is there's someone out there that is, this is the one thing that they're looking forward to in their day. This is the one thing that they need that is going to energize them so that they can go give and be the best partner, the best boss, the best spouse, the best mother, the best father, aunt, uncle, grandparents. So I need to show up for them. Oh, I love that. And I again, I know I speak for thousands of people, millions maybe, when I say thanks for doing that for us. Like, thanks for showing up because you can tell. Like, we've all taken a fitness class with an instructor that we maybe didn't jive with, didn't love, or didn't have that energy. And it, yeah, it affects you, especially when like that's your thing. Like, you go, you know, with Peloton, it's a bit different. We're at home, but like, if you're going to drive to the gym and like take that time out of your day and show up, and it's like, the instructor's like, sorry, guys, I'm kind of tired today. We're just going to have a low, low, low energy class. Like, bummer. So I think, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and you never show Huge up that bummer. way. So I give you a ton of credit. It's awesome. One thing I would love to talk about a little bit is you mentioned when you were first getting into the industry, you started a fitness Instagram. Is there an expectation yeah written or otherwise, to have a strong personal brand to succeed as a fitness instructor today, specifically with Peloton. I I know you don't like the word celebrity, but when that's how many people look at the instructors and when that is, we very much idolize the instructors and look up to them. Is there a part of it that's like, all right, I have to have a strong personal brand to be successful in what I do? I think that, so that's an interesting question, an interesting point that you bring up. I think that you don't need to try to do anything. If you try to be a personal brand or to do your own brand, you end up, at least in my opinion, as coming across as inauthentic. Instead of labeling yourself, I am this, watch me do this or watch me be this, I prefer just being this. And then if other people want to say, oh, Jess is, Jess's brand is she's a teacher. She's hilarious. She's fun. She has a, a dog. She, you know, talks about glazed donuts and carrot cake. <laughs> like I would much prefer for, for people to feel that way and to, to connect with me. I think relatability is, is part of brand making. But again, if you try to do something, it doesn't come across as authentic to me. I think that you be yourself and other people are going to be drawn to you or not drawn to you. And that's how you build yourself up. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going to let people put a name on your brand, I think has a dog and talks about glazed donuts. That's a good one. I like that. (laughs) Sign me up. Yes. Okay. So one thing that I would love to talk about a little bit is this topic of diversity and inclusion within the fitness industry. I look at the Peloton lineup and I think Peloton does a really good job of this. We see instructors that are not only of different backgrounds, different ethnicities, they're different ages. They 
it's a good lineup. And so I'm curious, what has your experience been in having navigated the New York City fitness industry in particular? Do you feel that the fitness industry is a diverse one? That is a really great question. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> and in short answer, no. I think that right now, given the times, I think that a lot of uh, studios are working to change that, but I definitely think that will take some time. Um, I feel very, very lucky that I work at Peloton for numerous reasons, but specifically for this one. Um, we've taken a huge stand, especially recently, that we are publicly an anti-racist company. Um, and we take that that uh, intention very, very seriously. And to your point is we we acknowledge at Peloton that representation matters. It matters uh, for age, for gender, for sexuality, for race. It matters. Um, and so we are constantly trying to diversify even further. But I do think that Peloton is doing an incredible job, has been and will continue to do a great job with diversity and bringing Diverse instructors, because like we've talked about, we're in front of people and we want to make sure that everyone feels seen, feels heard, feels loved, feels accepted and celebrated. Well, I love that. And I'm glad to hear you say that, of course. And I also I mean, it's something that I noticed in New York City for years is I'm like, huh, all my fitness instructors look the same. And we're in like arguably one of the di most diverse cities in the country, in the world. Yeah. Like. Why is this the case? So it's, you know, it is interesting to hear that you've, of course, seen the same thing, but also that uh, there are brands that are doing a better job consciously, not just like, oh, we happen right. to have like one black instructor, like, okay, cool. But that's not like, that's not the goal. We can do much better than that. And so, uh, yeah, I, it's good to hear you say that about Peloton because that is what I see, but I'm an outsider. And, you know, we know that Lots of brands right now are doing a lot of things for optics and doing a lot of perfor taking performative action, but it's nice to see action that right. is going to actually make a difference sooner rather than like 10 years from now, this is our goal. So um, that's good to yeah, hear. Yeah, well, it, we're definitely not, yeah, we're definitely not uh, checking yep. off boxes. That's not something we do at Peloton. And I just think just even in general for fitness, fitness is for all ages and it is for everyone. And so by having all instructors that look the same and are the same age and like the same music and do the same movements, we're really doing everyone the world a disservice. And Peloton, we are a global company and we are about, yes, setting goals about, you know, more about performance things um, like getting better at pushups, um, getting a little bit faster in your jog pace, your running pace, your sprinting pace. We celebrate those you know, actionable things. We're not about, you know, losing weight. It's never been about that and never will be. And I think that's really important to send this message that fitness is for everyone. It is wellness. It's a lifelong commitment and it's it's a beautiful thing to engage in. So I think that that's, that's something that Peloton is really proud of itself. Yes. On. Yes. Okay. So back around the holidays, like we now know everyone had a good laugh at the Peloton holiday commercial with the girl and her husband bought her the bike and like whatever. I don't really care what people's take on it are because I say starting something new, regardless of what your body looks like, that can be really intimidating or scary or overwhelming. Like, you know, all the people that joked about how like, why is she nervous about doing a fitness class? She's already skinny. Like that's not the thing. And I think anyone who's ever started a new fitness journey, if you want to call it that, has felt that. And so I, anyway, 
I very much like yeah, I got yeah, it basically it, when she was like, I'm about to start. I'm a little nervous. I was like, yeah, that's how I started. That's how I felt when I started training for my first marathon. Like I had been a runner, but I had a new goal and I was nervous. So I want you to give everyone a message for everyone listening who's thinking about starting something new, whether I don't know, whether it's indoor cycling or it's knitting. What do you say to people who are starting something new and might feel those uh, those nerves? I say, stop negotiating with yourself. Be like a little kid again and jump into the pool. Don't stick your foot in to check out the temperature. Don't think that you have to have the right bathing suit on. Jump in the pool. Stop negotiating with yourself. So just do it. I love that. You talk a lot about taking up space. What does that mean to you? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, as again, it's so funny. The things that you say while you're teaching live on camera and your <laughs> adrenaline is going and your endorphins are going. I, I like to, one of the, a cue that instructors often say that's very confusing for someone who's just starting their fitness journey is engage your core. What does that mean? Like, do you poke your core? Do you look at it? Do you tickle your belly button? Like what does engage your core mean? And so I started to say, it's that gut reaction. Like if Mike Tyson was about to come up to you and sucker punch you in your stomach and you saw it coming, it's that flexing. It's not a sucking in like you're trying to fit, you know, into a pair of skinny jeans that are 10 years old. It's actually making yourself strong, not small. And so with that, I add the extra line of take up space uh, because I really believe everything that I say physically in class um, to talk about your form with your body can be applied to your life. And literally all of my one-liners that I say consistently in every one of my classes can be applied off of the tread, off of the mat, off of the bike. I love it. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people new to fitness making? Doing too much too soon. Yeah. How a feeling that uh, might be it. <laughs> oh, my! It's, it's one of the, and it applies specifically, especially for running. Um, I have so many friends, you know, I'm 31 and I have so many friends around my age that haven't run since college. So over 10 years ago. And so they say, oh, I'm just going to go out for, you know, a 30 minute run. And, and I'm like, wait a minute. A 30 minute run might seem like a short amount of time, but for someone who likely won't be warming up properly, won't be cooling down properly and might not even have the right pair of sneakers to start off with or a fresh pair of sneakers to start off with, that's a lot of running. What I recommend is run for a minute, walk a minute, run for a minute, walk a minute, run one block, walk a block. Because here's the thing, we have to remember again that, that fitness is a, life, is a lifestyle, it's a lifelong commitment. So what's the rush of challenging yourself to do a straight 30 minute run? And even if you're able to do it, because a lot of people think, oh, but I did it, I got it. Well, that's great, but if you continuously do 30 minute runs, you know, for five days straight, you could end up with an injury. You could, um, it, it, might, it might feel good in the moment, but later on it catches up to you. So I say start small, but start consistent. That's such good advice. And I've been there, relatable. Yeah. What about for people <laughs> who aren't new to fitness? Because I asked about people who are new, but a lot of us have been doing this for a long time and we still make mistakes all the time. So what do you say to people? What do you see from them? What mistakes do people who have been doing this for a long time still make? Well, this is my favorite. This is what I say in class all the time is no ego amigo. Nope. <laughs> Put your pride to the side. The, the number one thing I see, because even with myself, it's something that I, the things that I say out loud in class, because I'm doing the workout with you, I'm saying to myself, 
So when people say to me, Jess, how did you know that I needed to, you know, pick it up because I was about to slack? And, it's, and I say, because I was about to slack. I, I was about to take my speed down. So I'm talking to Jess out loud. And so I always use the, the push-up example is for some reason, we tend to, our pride, not some reason, it's our pride and our ego, is we are afraid to scale a push-up to the knees or elevate your hands, which also makes it easier. And for what? If you're not able to get a full chest to floor push-up off of the knees, scale it to the knees and then get that full range of push-up because you're not going to get that full range if you're constantly practicing pulsing. You have to get that full range by modifying either hands elevated on a safe uh, bar or chair or couch or you're on your knees. And so I, I like to say to people that are, you know, that are working out consistently and they've been doing it for years, but things that... Things take time. Pull-ups take time. People do those for months and months and months and can only get one, two, three, four, five pull-ups. So take the time. Do it right. That's a song. Take the time, baby. We can do it. Take the time. Do you know it song. right. Oh, and yeah. Every time, every girl, every time, I, every time I say that in class, I break out <laughs> into that song because what's the point of rushing it and, and, and not getting full range of motion? You're not fooling anyone and you're definitely not fooling yourself. I love it. If you had to include one song, the same song on every playlist you made for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh. You cannot do that. I know. I put you on the spot. You just really put me on the spot. Um, Well, it has to be Jock Jams because Jock Jams is the anthem to my life, my soundtrack. Um, So, oh, pump up the jam. Oh, good one. And you can (laughs) include like remixes and stuff, you know, you can jazz it up as needed. So (laughs) (laughs) perfect. Pump up the jam then. I appreciate that answer. I'm, I'm quarantined with my parents, despite being a 35 year old with a child. Um, We are up in New Hampshire at my, so I'm at my childhood home. So I'm like having a field day going through all my old stuff. And I found every Jock Jams album and the often neglected Jock Rock, which was like, rock it was like rock music but then it still had like the espn like commentators in between you know it'd be like are you ready three two one next song Um, yeah i have all the cds unfortunately i don't have a cd player but i do have all of the jock jam cds so we're just living it up Allie, those were the days. I, I had an or an orange disc, a Walkman, whatever you called it, and I lived my best life with that thing. Oh, anything that was marketed with anti-skip protection, I would buy it. Wait, you did not just throw it back to anti-skip protection. Yeah. You did not just say that. Because I didn't want to hit I a bump you. in my car where my disc man was sitting in the center console <laughs> hooked up with a tape, uh, a cassette tape that went in the tape player, and then you hit a bump and it skips forward six songs. No. Give me the anti-skip protection, so which didn't real. work. But, oh my god, yeah. that's incredible! Yes, that wow, you just took me back. I know, blast from the past. Well, with that, <laughs> we wrap things up here on the Alley on the Run show with our sprint to the finish round. So, if you could handle the music question, this is going to be a breeze for you. Are you up for it? I'm so ready. What would your last meal on Earth be? Oh my gosh. <sighs> <sighs> Okay. Wow. Okay. This is the hardest question you could ever ask me. Um, I need to say so many things. Don't judge me. It would be a veggie burger, fries, shrimp scampi, and carrot cake donut with ice cream. 
Wait, I'm embarrassed that you think that's so many things. That's like a meal to me. I'm like, yeah, no, that's a good amount of food. That's accurate. That is, that is, wow. Well, I mean, I just had to combine some things because I would say carrot cake and donut and ice cream separately, but a carrot cake donut does exist. So I'll combine it. And with a scoop of ice cream on top, you're good to go. Great answer. Oh, a la mode, always. (laughs) What's your favorite movie? Oh my gosh. So I have not seen many movies, but the movies I have seen, I've seen them 6,000 times. Hitch. Oh, that's a fun one. Favorite TV show? Oh my gosh, don't judge me. Don't laugh at me. Um, Wheel of Fortune and Price is Right. Oh, I love Wheel of Fortune. Are you kidding? I'm not into Price is Right because I'm so bad at it that it's not fun. But Wheel of Fortune is one of the greatest shows of our time, of all time. The greatest. Yes, I'm a real sucker for a game show. Vanna White has the best job. Oh, the best. Oh, Oh, the absolute best. Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh my Will Smith. Where'd you have your first real kiss? Oh my gosh. Wait, wow. Um, oh Lord. Saitani Park in Peabody, probably. If you could go for a run with anyone, who would it be? Mm, Michelle Obama. Well, that might be the same answer. I was going to say, if you could see any username pop up while you're teaching a class, who would it be? Oh, yep. Michelle Obama or Beyonce. Yeah. Good choices. They can both take it. They're friends. So that makes sense. They would sign up together. That's for us three. What is something that you are completely obsessed with right now that we should all get on board with? Hmm, This is a tough one. Uh, I'm really obsessed with, I I created this document on Instagram actually uh, for black owned businesses. So I'm really taking great pride in, um, and I've, I've separated all the businesses into categories and so really finding new brands um, and because I'm just I'm, as I get older, I'm really loving smaller brand and supporting smaller brands and where and doing my own thing. So I, I think really investing in small black owned businesses is kind of my thing right now. I love that. That is a great answer. If you could be any animal, what would you want to be and why? Oh, I would want to be Sienna because I knew um, <laughs> living the life, no bills, just hangs out all the time, barks at me, gets whatever she wants, is sassy, eats lots of food. And if not, if I couldn't be Sienna, I would be a sloth. <sighs> Great life. I love that. Right? What is, you mentioned always a la mode. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, well, listen, this is, this is not a short answer, but I have to tell you, I, if all, with all desserts, I have to have the original. So I have to have vanilla, just like a cookie. I have to have chocolate chip, um, a donut. I have to have a glaze, but I also love to dabble in other specialties. So vanilla ice cream for sure. And then I love cookie dough. I love Oreo. Yep. Great. Great answer. As they say on family feud, great answer. Great answer. I like when they support each other, yes. except usually they I say so that about myself. Yeah. But usually someone says like a really bad answer and they say it to be nice because they're family, you know, so they have to say it. But that was a good answer. You have the best memory. Like I, I used to live for people that would say good answer, good yeah. answer. And it was the worst answer ever. Yeah. Always. But they're family. So like good. they're going home together. They have to support each other, you know, but they, well, they're going to get the big I red mean, X. It's not up there. The answer is not I was going to say that's why me and my family could never go on there because I'd be like, that was a horrible answer, dad. Yeah, but a fun game to play with your family is every now and then we'll do this. I'll be like, mom, 
if you had to pick a family feud team, like including our whole extended family, in-laws, whatever, I'm like, who would your team of five be? And I make her pick who she thinks the five smartest people in our family are. And she always picks me, which is so nice, but it might be because I'm asking her the question. But that's a fun game. Ask, like, ask your family who they would pick to be on their team. I love that. It's a fun one. Do you remember what was your first AOL or AIM screen name? Absolutely. Curly J 1088. <gasps> I love that. <laughs> it's like quirky, but it's cute. I like it a lot. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. We're winding this Those down here. The days. <laughs> totally. Oh, I miss, I miss a really dramatic away message. Like I miss oh, that. With the, um, every other letter is capitalized was my fave. And then yep. I also, I loved the noise of connecting to the internet when you got that dot, like oh, that, that perfect connection. Satisfying. So satisfying. Yep. Yeah. I often wonder, like, would Dashboard Confessional have been a successful band if not for the longevity of their lyrics in away messages? You're so I don't know. Right. I don't think so. But mm-hmm. I used them a lot. <laughs> I mean, I was screaming infidelities all the time. Okay. I could go. I could be very nostalgic here. Same. But I want to know, if you could take a class in anything, what would it be? A class in anything. Uh, what I... I love taking dance classes because I'm really bad at them and because it forces me to just, I'm a very like rigid form type of person. So when people are like, be free, let your body go. I like, I hate it, but I love it because it forces me to do something different. And I've actually always, something I haven't done that I I actually bought something for is I would love to take photography lessons. Oh, good one. That's a good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Thank you. (laughs) Tell me three things you love about yourself. Um, oh my gosh, this is so hard for me because I, oh, this is so tough to do because I preach self-love and then when someone's like, love yourself, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Um, I am always willing and ready to learn. I'm very compassionate with others. Uh, I have a lot of empathy, so I, I, I feel for people and I'm silly. Like I I don't take a lot of things super seriously. Like I, I really just enjoy having a good time and smiling. I love those. The last thing I need from you. Give everyone listening a reason to run today. Ooh, because you don't have to, you get to. I think that that's something that from a former athlete, I used to run as punishment. And that's always been the reason why I ran. And that's the reason why I also didn't run when I was done playing sports. And it took me a really long time. And I I really have to thank Peloton and my experiences with Peloton for making me find a new why, a new love of running. And it's because I get to. It's the best answer possible. It's so great. You're great. I love running with you. I'm putting, you can't see me, but I'm putting with in quotation marks because (laughs) I love feeling like we're running together and I appreciate you for helping, um, you know, put a little fire under my feet and get me going a little faster. So truly keep being you because you are a light in the fitness world and I'm so grateful for you and I appreciate you hanging out with us today. Thank you so much, Allie. I really, really appreciate it. I love your podcast. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of the Alley on the Run show. And thank you, Jess, for just being the best. I love this conversation. At this point, there are something like three or four episodes of the Alley on the Run show coming your way every week. So make sure you're subscribed to the show in the podcast listening app of your choice. Then you don't have to check. You don't have to search. You don't have to refresh. The new episodes will just pop right up for you almost every day. And hey, while you're there... 
feel free to give the show a quick rating and a review. I had this goal of hitting 1,000 reviews on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, and then I forgot about it for a little while, but we're at 904 reviews at the time I'm recording this, so we are getting very close. Big thank you, of course, to everyone who already took the time to leave a review for the show. I just love you so much. If you do leave a review, I would love to know so that I can thank you. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allie on the Run one and on Facebook at the Allie on the Run Facebook page and in the Allie on the Run show, Best Running Friends group. We have a lot of fun in there, so come check it out. I also have monthly bonus episodes coming out every month that are exclusive to my Patreon community. Patreon is a paid platform. You can contribute as much or as little as you want and you get bonus episodes. And once live shows are back, you'll get early access to live events and similar activities and events that I'm just dying to get back to. You can find all that information at patreon.com slash on the run. One last thing before I let you go. Big thanks to our sponsor Aftershocks for always being there for us. We love you so much. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com for 15% off the wireless headphone of your choice. Remember, you're doing great. And thanks for joining me on the run.